Broadsheet Radio Network. Another scared history. Freaky fast delivery. So freaky. <laughs> the best thing is that we're trying to do these spooky ghouly voices, but we're grinning like freaking jack-o'-lanterns. And I think you can hear that we're n- not menacing. I've never been able to do like a spooky voice. Like, like just I just sound like Santa Claus with like indigestion. Like, Mrs. Claus, get me my chocolate. Um, and that is my cross to bear. That's fair. That is fair. Um, also, did you want, did you know, you didn't know this. I know you don't know this. Mm. Um, but when I was more on the acting track, I was, I lived in fear that I wasn't going to book gigs because I can't do like a high pitched girl scream, that- which is sad because like, who cares? But also the fact that like, like that's all girls are going to get cast to do is just be scared and run away. Were you only auditioning for haunted houses? <laughs> that's not the point. No, it was in like, it was in like middle school and, and high school and stuff. I'm like, oh, you didn't get to I do the scream, scream solo and band. No. I feel like everyone at some point played a song and band that had a scream break in it or something. I didn't stay in band long enough to to scream experience that. Yeah. Well, uh, I did get cast in a role uh, in in high school in a play called uh, It Was a Dark and Stormy Night in which I had to scream like I was very afraid and Cass, your nightmare came true for me. Because I don't scream when I'm like shocked yeah. or startled, I curse. So the director <laughs> had given the rest of the cast permission to try and scare me so that we could get elicit like a genuine one and then we could try to like replicate it. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, we could get that truth and then mm. we could bring it to life on stage. Just traumatize mm-hmm. you for that truth. But every single time somebody <laughs> tried to scare me, I would just be like, oh shit, or like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, <laughs> anytime there's like, God, I remember it like field day in middle school. We had one little game where it was like, you have to yell and run as far as you can what? while you're yelling <laughs> and like anything where we're like, all right, everyone just like, yell. I like, ah, like, I, I don't know how to, how to do it. I Cass, you don't scream in fear. You yell in aggression. <laughs> I do. You have I a do. warrior cry. It is. It is truly like we are Spartans. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Ah! Which is why I have to woo a lot. Woo! woo. I have to woo a lot because other I lose my voice really easily. This is not what this is about. <laughs> no, it's not about this. But I could talk about this forever. I don't know why. I have voice issues. Scared history, Nodes. where we discuss our screaming habits. <laughs> Cass, this is our fourth scared history that's wild to me i love that we happened upon this little treat and now i'm obsessed with it as Mm -hmm. the only episode of the season that i allow myself 
to do something scary. Or specifically, it's the only episode I allow myself to maybe consider doing a murder. Okay, I will disrespectfully disagree because you've thrown a lot of fire at me and scared the shit out of me. Fire is like um, a year-long thing. Fire Fires is- can happen whenever, but we can only do <laughs> murders at scary Once a season. year? Once is this a, a purge situation? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to dig right in because I actually researched this topic for an earlier episode this season, but then we had such a great time with our guest that we did not need a second topic. And this episode- Listeners, you'd be surprised how often that happens. It happens a lot. We, yeah. we It's not that we don't have faith in our guests, it's that we just like to be prepared and then be over-prepared for next episodes. A ghost- Oh no! Sorry, a Listeners, ghost has just dropped an, off pizza and beer for me. A, a disembodied hand has just dropped off Natalie's dinner. Oh man, the service at this haunted house is incredible. <laughs> so this is a story that I had originally researched for our lovely episode with Brian King, but frankly, it would have brought down the mood considerably from talking about the history of peanut butter and jelly and also just our own personal peanut butter and jelly uh, preferences. So I prepared this when Brian was on because he was in the 2021 remake. I don't know if remake is right because it was very different. uh, Film Candyman. There's a moment in the 1992 Candyman. There's a moment in the 1992, I think, Candyman that is based on an actual uh, crime and murder that occurred in Chicago. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a murder adventure. Yeah, what a stark contrast from PB&J's to the Candyman murder. Thank you for shelving that one. That's why I sat on it. So when are we, where are we, all aboard the history machine, We are in Chicago on the evening of April 22nd, 1987. So this is recent history. So Ruthie Mae McCoy was 52 and living in a near Southside Chicago Housing Authority project known as ABLA. She lived in one of the seven 15-story brown Y-shaped towers named the Grace Abbott Homes, which was known as one of the most dangerous buildings in the ABLA. And she allegedly- like poorly constructed or like super haunted? A uh, crime. <laughs> haunted, oh, okay. haunted by one's own fellow man. Um, crime-ridden. Uh, McCoy allegedly had a history of paranoia and hallucinations, but according to a journalist from the Chicago Reader, you're crazy if you are not always looking over your shoulder in this particular building. So not ghosts, just humanity. McCoy had just gotten home on this night. Uh, She had been dropped off by a van that was taking her home from an outpatient psychiatric service at Mount Sinai, where she had told authorities that someone was threatening her life. So we start here. We're already like, we've already told somebody that something's up and nothing has happened. At a quarter to nine, the night she was brought home, McCoy calls 911. She gives her address and tells the dispatcher, quote, 
Some people next door are totally tearing this down. These are not party people tearing it down. The dispatcher asks her to clarify and asks they want to break in. And they kind of go back and forth for a little bit before the dispatcher kind of like understands that it sounds like somebody's breaking in. McCoy said, yeah, they throw to the cabinet down. I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach. You can reach my bathroom. They want to come through the bathroom. Uh, okay, so I just realized I'm all alone in the house and I get that little like on the back just a little spindly little oh i'm scared i'm gonna have nightmares tonight i Natalie. love that i just stress you out oh, tell me more well okay so the dispatcher confirms her details and says that the police are on her way he sends a beat car to answer what he what is classified in the complaint as like a disturbance with a neighbor so at 9.02, another call reaches dispatch. This one is from a woman who said that she'd been walking through the hallway of the Grace Abbott homes and heard gunshots from the apartment, from Ruthie Mae McCoy's apartment. So this is 9.02. 9.04, another call. The police officers have still not arrived on the scene. This call is from yet another neighbor reporting gunshots and hollering in McCoy's uh, unit. So two more police cars are dispatched. No police cars have, have arrived yet. 9.10 p.m. Four officers arrive at McCoy's door. They knock. They announce their presence. There's no answer. They call dispatch and ask dispatch to call McCoy's phone. They hear the phone ringing inside the unit, but no one answers. So two more officers drive over to the project office to get the key from, like, the superintendent or whoever uh, to get the key to McCoy's unit, but the key doesn't fit the lock. Um, we find out later that she's like changed her locks multiple times because, like I said, a very dangerous building. The neighbors tell the officers this is weird. She always answers the door. The officer relays this to dispatch and is like, okay, but there's no answer. So like, I don't know if maybe she answered the door to the wrong person before we came or what's going on. The officers talk more to the neighbors and the janitor. They have no other key for McCoy's apartment. So what do you think they do? They break in. They leave. What? They leave at 9.48 p.m. How many calls did they have reporting they had a call. They had a call from McCoy herself, just that something was happening. And then they had two calls from uh, other tenants reporting gunshots. To my math. That's three. Yeah. Within like five minutes. Yeah. Fast forward to the next night. So nothing has happened. Nobody's seen McCoy. We're just like business as usual. This happened in a not great part of town to a person of color. Therefore, we don't care. Yeah. Says the police. So the next night, the police get another call from somebody in the building. Uh, they get a call from another neighbor who reports that she hasn't seen McCoy all day. And she usually, McCoy usually stops by this neighbor. Her name's Deborah Lasley. She usually stops by her apartment on her way out of the building every morning. And McCoy didn't stop by her apartment on the way out of the building in the morning. So she clearly never left the building based on this routine. And about uh, half a dozen officers and four to five CHA security guards return to the scene. So at least we get more of a response this time. Still no answer at the door, and the security guards, <laughs> the security guards um, 
politely discourage the act of breaking in the door because the tenant could sue if the city broke down their door. And also then the police would have to secure the door so that squatters didn't come into the unit or use it for other things. So the security guards are like, maybe you don't want to break down the door. It's like an inconvenience to see if this woman is still alive yeah. or not. It's like if you break down the door, like one of like you guys are gonna have to stay here. Do you really want to do that? So the officers leave again. The next day, uh, Deborah I Leslie. This. I hate this. Deborah Leslie calls the project office with her concerns, and a. Uh, at 1 p.m., a project official arrives at McCoy's door with a carpenter. He drills through the lock. They find McCoy in the bathroom, laying on her side in a pool of her own blood. Hand over her chest, one shoe on, one shoe off. Paper magazines and coins strewn all over the floor. She had been shot four times, but only one bullet was fatal. If you want to take a breath in your stress and anger at the way that the authorities dealt with this, the medical examiner does say in their report that she, yes, McCoy did not die quickly, but also she probably wouldn't have survived even if she, they had found her the first night and taken her to a hospital. So it, it seems like that die was cast no matter what, if you want to take what little solace you can in that from the stress of just being pissed at the authorities. Don't worry, she died slowly, but yes, she was gonna, but she do was gonna it die anyway. anyway. <laughs> the thing is that Sorry, I'm not laughing. That is a yeah. may she rest in peace, but like it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The thing is that uh killings, murders in the projects aren't really news. Ordinarily, they don't make the news. Um, hooray, racism. So the murder of a middle-aged mentally ill CHA t- tenant uh, only really merited media coverage in the black-owned Defender, which posited that McCoy probably knew her attackers because there was no indication of forced entry. Again, we find her dead in the bathroom. The door's, the door's intact. Everything's intact. The... Tribune ran the story later only because it became quote-unquote interesting because of this newsworthy fact. Detectives had determined that McCoy's killers entered her apartment through the medicine cabinet in her bathroom. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. I keep looking over my shoulder, readers. So that's the thing that is, uh, there's a homage to in the earlier Candyman film is that he does go through, like, go through medicine cabinets. I guess. I don't know. I've not seen the movie. I'm too scared of things. So, like, he, like, burrowed through the wall or, like, his spirit came through. I'm. I know it wasn't like that, like a red rum situation, but was it? It was, it's, it's, um, shoddy workmanship. The adjacent unit, unit to McCoy's was empty. They had removed the medicine cabinet and that is mirrored on the other side of the wall. So they removed the medicine cabinet in that adjacent unit and they broke through McCoy's medicine cabinet and climbed through the wall into her apartment. Cause there was a hole in between the two 
Okay. So that you could get access probably to like pipes and stuff. Still though, this happens and the residents of, of like the Chicago Housing uh, Authority like buildings are not phased because apparently Abbott intruders had been entering through medicine cabinets for at least a year. Like even the kids knew that you could slip from one apartment to the other through the pipe chase between the cabinets. There's, there's two and a half feet and six nails. Those are the only obstacles. The six nails holding the medicine cabinet on and two and a half feet of di- distance between the two. Um, in some areas, apparently you could even climb to a different floor. The janitor is on the record as saying it's the way to go from one apartment to the next, even if you're not killing anyone. It was like a, it was a popular escape route for like gang leaders or drug dealers. If there was like a bus shoots going and ladders. on. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's literally it's, shoots, it's shoots and, and ladders. ladders. Yeah. In this case, oh, no. it's shoots, so shoots, was, shoots, shoots and ladders. Was, was anything stolen or were it's not like was this a robbery and there's there's reason to believe that it was motivated by that um she she was mccoy was known kind of at the building as like a bit of a bag lady if you will she'd Mm -hmm. curse at strangers she'd wave her stick at teens or whatever but she was apparently on the verge of really turning things around and escaping the projects she had gotten approved to receive supplemental security income and had intended to use this windfall to get out of public housing. But in the meantime, while she was getting all of her ducks in a row, she'd used it to buy a new winter coat and some other decent clothes because this Mm. is April. We've just made it through a Chicago winter. They aren't a good time. So detectives do think that the killer invaded her apartment because they noticed that she had a new coat and some halfway decent clothes. And so they figured that she had cash stored there. When, when you started this whole journey with the premise of Candyman, the horror movie, in my mind, it's just going to be, like, creepy horror stuff. Nothing like, oh, I'm robbing to, you know, I'm not thinking thriller. I'm thinking horror. So the, my question's, like, did the spirit come through the medicine cabinet or like that's normally i haven't seen either movie because i don't watch scary movies for this very reason well in normally unscared history episodes i like actually actively try not to just do a true crime story i just think that this is a very interesting story and i was a little sad that I didn't get to share it with Brian when Brian came on because he didn't know the story. We talked about it after uh, he and I talked mm-hmm. about it after we finished recording. Um, and also just like the police's failure to enter her apartment. Like it didn't even merit a departmental investigation. They didn't look at they were they were like, oh, that sucks. Oops. Well, and in in a community that is historically over policed. Yeah. Well, because of redlining and racism, how's it going to take you that long to get there? Well, you know, and you know a, you're there. In a stark contrast, around the same time, so like about a month later, uh, there was the there was a death uh, of a woman named Nancy Clay, who was a white described in the reader as a white suburban white collar worker. Uh, she died in a loop high rise blaze in May and indications were that the 911 system had failed her 
And that happening a month later to a white woman prompted weeks of media coverage, a city council investigation, a council hearing featuring testimony by the fire commissioner that was broadcast live on public radio, and uh, it also sparked several proposed ordinances so that it never happened again. But we just were like, oh no, we forgot, we didn't actually pay enough attention to this 911 call, and we didn't find that this poor woman had died until three days later. Um, you know, I hate to, I'm not trying to perpetuate uh, white saviorism, um, but white women, <laughs> do you know the power that we unintentionally mm -hmm. wield? And if we could just use it for good, oh my God. Yeah. And not as a savior complex, but just like clear, like the running joke, not joke, but a lot of the signs during the Black Lives Matter movement of, you know, if you put avocado on this, you know, will people actually listen? Yeah. Uh, you know, just. The... <sighs> if we could wield it for uh, awareness and like any systemic change versus just like getting someone to getting a server to have the kitchen remake our dinner because we ordered it wrong. Yeah. Um, there is a spooky scary. Here's a little spooky scary for you. Yes, tell me the spooky McCoy's scary. McCoy's medicine cabinet was never found. The adjacent units was confiscated as evidence. Um, there's like a theory that, Mc that McCoy's um, medicine cabinet had already been broken because burglars had... The, her daughter, uh, Vernita, claimed, said that burglars had come in through the cabinet once before and mm. that McCoy had reported it yeah. to CHA. Uh, but not only did nothing get like fixed, they also never even re-secured the medicine cabinet. Um, and apparently a neighbor recalls seeing it leaned up against the tub, but no, but it was never it was never recovered in the investigation. Um, some some fun and by fun I mean awful um, <laughs> facts just about the Abbott homes and CHA. And we'll hold on. I want to start with like a good thing. Uh, like a hap uh, encouraging thing despite the tragedy. I mentioned that McCoy had been approved to receive supplemental security income. She had also been working towards her GED. And I want to honor that. And I want to honor her her memory in that way. Um, as Bitch was doing the work. Yeah, she was, she was, she really was tur like trying to turn things around and trying to get out of a situation that quite literally like was not her fault abandoned that she was abandoned her yeah like it was the system abandoned her so and she was finding herself and pulling herself out um at the time of mccoy's death about 3600 people lived in the abbott homes most younger than 18 all black nearly everybody is poor 85 percent of the families are headed by females and there are two or there are 33 two-story row homes and the rest are the seven uh, higher rises that I mentioned before that I think are like 15 floors. Um, residents of ABLA were reported to have been beaten, 
raped and murdered more than twice as often as they are as like individuals citywide. There are no crime figures specifically for the Abbott high-rises, but given their reputation as the quote-unquote most dangerous ABL house, ABLA housing, it's probably worse. Uh, and the, the Well, there, there's no stats for it because people don't show up yeah. and don't report shit. Yeah. Uh, so we have, we have stats for just ABLA as a whole, but not for specifically mm. yeah. uh, these projects. The Abbott homes were the precursor to developments like Cabrini Green, if you're familiar with Chicago. Um, they were proposed by Elizabeth Wood, the executive secretary of CHA at the time, as an option only after the city council had blocked her first attempts to build smaller projects in various neighborhoods because, you guessed it, many of those neighborhoods were white. So rather than having this concentrated... Chicago's still super, super segregated. I feel like it's... I don't, I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to go ahead and confidently say that it is the most segregated major city in America. So, yeah, this executive secretary of CHA had proposed smaller project buildings in various neighborhoods throughout the city rather than these what turned into massive slums in one specific area. Uh, and I mentioned before that they couldn't find a door, like a key to open the lock. It's because McCoy had her locks changed by Chicago Housing Authority at least twice. And she would apparently regularly lecture her neighbors if, they found, if she found that their doors were unlocked. So, not that we're going to victim blame here, but this was a woman who locked her doors and kept an eye on herself and mm -hmm. did not go around trusting people. Yeah. And the system in the city failed her. Uh, I got a little facts and figures for you. Uh, just, just to make you a Chicago Napervillian uh, feel maybe a little bit better. Uh, the 10 most segregated cities in America are Chicago, Naperville, Elgin, coming in at number four. As one? Yeah, it says Chicago, Naperville, Elgin, Illinois, Indiana, They don't Wisconsin. even all touch, but okay. I know. Um, Albany, Georgia is third. Detroit, Warren, Dearborn, Michigan is second. And Pine Bluff, Arizona is the number one most segregated city in America. I am still going to say the top that ten, but I of the ones that you listed, them. Detroit and Chicago are the largest. Yeah. So from like population wise, yeah, it's Chicago because I'm pretty sure Chicago is more densely populated than Detroit. But don't quote yeah. me on that. Well, especially Chicago, Naperville, Elgin. Right. <laughs> I was trying to make you feel a little bit better. Cass, we have to take an ad break. Fair enough. But we're a history podcast, so we have to infuse this interlude with some tasty, tasty facts. Okay. Oh, tasty facts. Like brewing beer using hops became a standard practice as a result of early drug laws in Bohemia. Ah, yes. The Reinheitsgebot Law of 1560. I remember it well. Now that hops are no longer a legally required ingredient in beer, welcome to the future, our friends at Herbiary have taken it upon themselves to release your taste buds from the cages of convention. 
They've experimented with over 200 different herbs and botanicals, building on the rich tradition and fermented folklore of hop-free brewing. Learn more about their delicious section of brews and where to find them at herbiary.com. And then just for shits and giggles, did you see the, was it 2019? Candyman? 2021 Candyman? Much to Brian's disappointment, um, I have not. In my defense, I have already had to watch that man die on screen. Oh. And I didn't know if I could do it again. Spoilers. He, I'm kidding. He died. He, he, gets, he gets murdered in the trailer, guys. So if you saw oh, the trailer, okay. um, to which I said, I couldn't tell that that was you. And he's like, Yeah, but you knew it was me. And I was like, But I couldn't tell. <laughs> so, yes. Um, um, I I would I would love I would love to watch it and I probably will I just why would you man, just you I really and I should just I really watch need it to together steal myself we should watch it together and hold each other while we panic through the zoom camera uh-huh. lens just clutch our computers no, no, no. I feel like we should watch this together in a room a oh, brightly yeah, lit room <laughs> I did a when I was living in Chicago with my best friend we did like a movie night. Uh, but she lived in Des Moines, and so we literally just opened our laptops and pressed play at the same time. Yep. And it was it was called The Women Who Hunt Lions, which were like, oh, that sounds awesome. It was a documentary, but it was about big game hunters, and these people were, like, kind of awful. And so we were just silent for, like, an hour watching this movie, not interacting with each other, <laughs> just watching each other react on Zoom. And that was before covid when netflix did their little watch party thing yeah so my two best friends from college and i do would do that we would choose a hallmark christmas movie every year and we would do that and it and this was before the like netflix party thing happened we would do the same thing we would like call each other or zoom or skype and and hit play at the same time and then we tried doing the netflix party thing once or twice and that was fine it's nice that if somebody pauses it it pauses it for everybody mm-hmm. but then we just went to in a text thread so with the delays that come with the text thread going okay i'm on three i'm gonna hit play and we would try to count down on, <laughs> on text and then we would hit play and that's how we watched all of the kissing booth movies and live basically instead of live tweeting uh movies that we think are going to be bad we just text each other during the whole thing that's amazing please so i hate to bring such a such a downer i just i had already researched it and i thought ruthie may mccoy's story deserved to be told and also i haven't dragged you guys to chicago yet this season so i and i think if we've learned one thing it's not the grizzly murder that was the scariest part it's you know just the public housing program redlining Mm -hmm. Very, very spooky stuff. If you want to learn a lot about Chicago public housing and how much of a fucking clusterfuck it is, um, I highly recommend. We actually had to read this in school. I highly recommend There Are No Children Here uh, by Alex Kotlowitz. It's a nonfic about the Horner life in the Horner homes in Chicago. 
And also, I think the other takeaway is that, as always, the only media that can be set in Chicago is got to be riddled with crime because that's apparently our major export is pizza and crime, according to all of the other areas of America. Oh, Natalie, that's not true. Deep dish isn't pizza. That's not Chicago style pizza. It's a casserole. What's Chicago style? Tavern style, technically. What's that mean? Um, it's the super thin, like cracker crust that's like cut into squares. Oh. That is the true Chicago style pizza. Ooh, I feel like that needs to be an episode because that feels controversial. I'll, I'm and writing hidden. it down. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Maybe it'll have to be. I could do a bunch of. You know that I'll just stay in Chicago for a whole season, and you'll have to drag me out. So maybe we should just do bonus episodes. I was going to do a bonus episode of just the Ruthie Mae McCoy story when I didn't get to do it. Um, so listeners, maybe on our Patreon we'll have like a bo- we'll have some bonus episodes where I just yell about pizza and other Chicago exports. I feel bad because I feel like our scared history episodes tend to be a little bit more whimsical, and I've not done that. <laughs> Don't you worry. Natalie, I will promise you something. It doesn't need to be next season if you're not prepared for it, but I will give you an entire season of Chicago history if you'd like. What? A whole, whole ass season. A whole ass a whole ass Chicago from you. I might do some Chicago stuff, but I I don't even oh. like touching that around you. Um, so. listeners, please write in and if you don't want me to do this, otherwise I will take your silence as consent. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. I, uh, uh, permission. I'll take I'll take your lack of uh, objection as you're 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 good with me going down a deep dark Chicago. <laughs> I gotta stop saying words. They're good with you going down. Anyway, we'll segue away from that, but I'll give you a whole Chicago season. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Talk dirty to me. Okay. All right. But no more Chicago the rest of this season. I can do that. Bring me. Honestly, I don't really care. I love all of your Chicago history. I just feel like, I don't know. I want to give you a challenge. I accept. All right. Well, let me take you. Where are we? When are we? Where are we? The Earth. Wow. <laughs> um, this, listeners, may be not what you expected from the Halloween Scared History episode, but whenever I kind of start my searches, if I don't have something in mind, I like I literally just googled scary history. And most of what comes up are like fucking like urban legends and murders. It actually is. Listeners, it's remarkably difficult to continue to do scared history episodes. So one of the first articles that came up, I needed to do because it was titled, Damn Nature, You Scary. And you know what? Nature is scary. Horrifying. So... This article is titled Top Six Damn Nature You Scary Moments in History. And I'm going to walk you through them. When I first saw this article, I was like, that's amazing. That's scary. That's funny. Let's do it. But like, ah, that doesn't fit. So then I was like, Googled something else. And so I'm just going to tell you this brief fact just to scare the shit out of you before we get a little whimsical with it. Oh, no. Um, Alexander the Great. Are you familiar? Greece. Uh, I am familiar. Times. 
Yeah, he conquered most of the known world. Mm -hmm. He died in 323 BCE. Presumed for the common presumably era. Presumably poisoned. Allegedly Pres poisoned. Allegedly poisoned. But there have been mysteries about his death. He was moving through Asia. And, you know, there's a lot of different climate conditions and yeah. diseases and all of that stuff. Uh, some people think he was poisoned, but no one's sure. And so a lot of people have been looking into his death. According to Plutarch. I'm a real Plutarch head. Yeah, big Plutarch head. Big fan. Um, there's, there's an ad in the middle of this article. So I don't know if Plutarch actually said this or if they just weirdly cut it. But... It says, after a 24-hour drinking spree, he came down with a fever and felt a sudden pain in his back, as though smitten with a spear. Pretty soon, he was paralyzed, and soon after, he was rendered speechless. Yeah, he, Eventually, he died horribly. Yes. Eventually, 32-year-old Alexander was pronounced dead. No one knows exactly why, but one doctor thinks, Dr. Catherine Hall, has posited that he was buried alive. <sighs> oh, I just got that little tingle in my back. So, I and I don't know how she came upon this, but she she posited that he suffered from <clears throat> excuse me, that he suffered from Guillain-Barré, which is weird cuz I know someone who has this. I read this and yeah. it's spelled like Gil and Bar. I was like, "Wait a minute, that's French. It's probably like Guillain-Barré." Oh, shit, I know this. Yeah. Um, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, it's rare auto autoimmune disorder that can lead to, here are my symptoms, fever, abdominal pain, and paralysis, which, according to Hall, seem to fit Plutarch's account of his death. Uh, she says, the combination of ascending paralysis with normal mental ability is very rare. So she suspects that while he appeared dead, he may still have been alive. And the, the woman I know who had it was in the hospital. And I can't remember if she described it like a coma or if she was just like completely mm -hmm. incapacitated. But like he could have just been lifeless, yeah. body like, but a alive. good friend of mine had it as well. Yes. So let that scare the shit out of you. Uh, Hall thinks Alexander was pronounced dead a full six days before he actually died. Mm. Oh, and oh, and the reason I forgot this part. The reason they were so like even thought to look in this is his body didn't decay. So Plutarch describes his body as remaining pure and fresh for days, which I mean, it could have been again, there was so much propaganda there yeah. were not propaganda, but like you know, we write these for our yeah. emperors and we want to make it look good or, you know, certain ways. In the Bible, they say Mo Moses was 400 years old. A lot of times that's just a way of saying adding prestige to someone. Yeah. So it could have just been poetic. Or he could have been still alive. I don't like it. Yes. Yes. Scholars just, some scholars dispute her explanation. Her source material material was written 400 years after his death. But, like, we don't know. No, I, no, no thank you. Yeah, yeah. So that's creepy as shit. I hope you're listening to this at night um, and get scared. No. 
So we go into damn nature, you scary. <laughs> Which I thought would be light, but you know, with the uh with climate change nowadays, it can be kind of fucking scary. So this is a, a list of six. Number six on our list is the limnic eruption of Lake Nios. Lake Nios um, is a crater lake in the northwest region of Cameroon. Um, so a limnic eruption is a rare event where CO2 dissolved in deep water lakes suddenly erupts. So it's like there's a lot of CO2 in a deep ass lake, so it explodes. Uh, these events have only ever been observed twice, the deadliest being Lake Neos in 1986. Large clouds of CO2 formed, then descended and dropped below the oxygen in the air, causing all living things to asphyxiate. No. In this particular instance, a cloud fell on nearby villages, causing the deaths of 1,700 people and 3,500 <gasps> livestock. What? So you ever seen the movie The Mist? Yeah, they just got misted. Yeah, they, they got misted. Damn, nature. You scary. Number five. <laughs> Natalie's face right now. I love it. Um, number five. Uh, the Indian Ocean Earthquake and tsunami. Why are all these things happening in bodies of water? This is why I don't trust the water, the ocean. Oh, fuck that. I, I am more scared of the ocean than of space. Absolutely. Oh Ugh. Okay. So a lot of people might remember this one. It was in 2004, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake struck below the sea off the coast of Indonesia. Mm -hmm. This happened the day after Christmas. Um, not that everyone celebrates Christmas, but I don't know. Yeah, but I remember I watching the news coverage. Yeah, it was one of those like. Because the day after Christmas, you're not really doing anything. You're just like so you're, bloated you're just and watching playing that with news all your cycle. new presents yeah. and watching news. Um, due to the earthquake, uh, a tsunami ripped through the Indian Ocean and just covered everything in front of it. It affected Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, Malaysia, and stretches, and I didn't know this, it stretched as far as Madagascar and South Africa. Oh my God. Yes. Which, if you look at a map, I mean, if you don't look at a map, sense. you're like, oh, that's oh. really far. If you look at a map, it's kind of a direct line, but the the range of this thing i had i had absolutely no idea 230,273 people were estimated to have died during the tsunami with 1.74 million displaced by it damn, damn nature. nature you, you scary, scary. <laughs> oh sometimes you just say something that is so on brand for you. What do you mean? You know, like you have a brand, the way you look and communicate, what you place value in, all of that. That's your brand. Just typical you being you. How do you know so much about brands? Oh, well, I've worked with Bates Marone Sweet Design. Who? Bates Marone? They're a boutique branding, marketing, and web design agency based in Chicago, and they've got great strategists, designers, and copywriters who all work together to make brands better. Well, how do they do that? 
They combine research and storytelling. They find out why a brand is the way it is, and then they bundle that up in a nice little package for businesses to take with them and use going forward. Dang, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Are they just for huge corporations, though? Oh, not at all. They have experience with all sorts of clients, from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah. If you want to see some of their past client work, learn more about their processes, see what it takes to join the team, or if you're ready to schedule a meeting, go to their website, BatesMarone.com. B-A-T-E-S-M-E-R-O-N.com. Awesome. I can't wait to learn more. Let's keep going. Number four, the Great Chinese Famine. This occurred between 1959 and 1961. These are all a lot more recent than I want them to have occurred. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I thought we was going to be getting some ancient stuff. No. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're so scary. Um, but just wait. There's older ones. In 1959 and 61, between those years, poor weather, long droughts affected uh, this famine, led to crop failures. Um, there was political strife, so there was changes in agricultural policies. Mm -hmm. uh, this was during Mao Zedong's uh, tenure. And the statistic was placed at 15 million fatalities. But some people have estimated it close to 45 million. Well, in a situation like that, like there's no way everything can be reported. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially when the Chinese government was trying to like maybe yeah this is fine talk about all the bad stuff yeah um though China has been historically transparent with a lot of their issues oh for sure <laughs> uh number three Spanish flu of 1918 this one's gonna hit way too close to home yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through quick through this one oh god um it it specifically hit younger and previously healthy adults that's why that's why this one was so scary because it was a strain of the h1n right h1n1 virus which we experienced in the united states around 2010 2011 mm -hmm. killed up from 50 to 100 million people and it wasn't just autoimmune deficient people or people or elderly you know infant unhealthy it was hitting young healthy adults so this says here it's believed that the close proximity of soldiers with their weakened immune system through malnourishment during world war one are possible contributing factors to the high mortality rate so we just got done with world war one everyone's sick and has ptsd so even though they're healthy warriors they yeah. got picked off I think that's what it's trying to say. I, I can see that argument. While it was extremely devastating, it says here, the virus seemingly disappeared. Part of this is due to better pneumonia treatment, medical advances. You know, we still weren't super great with the germ thing in 1918. Yeah. But some people believe it mutated into a less deadly strain, which happens when yeah. you control it and take care of it. So, you know, when you continue to acknowledge that it's a problem. Yeah. You know, so all the people who are like, oh, you know, COVID's, COVID's gone. We wasted a whole year. No, it's gone because we took care of it, y'all. And it's still not and gone. And it's also not gone. <laughs> it's also not gone. 
It's also not gone. Damn nature, um, you scary. Oh, yeah, sorry. Say it with me, everybody. Damn, Damn nature, nature, you scary. You scary. All right, <laughs> number two, the Chicxulub asteroid. Ooh, space. Chicxulub? Chicxulub? There's an X in it, but it's in Mexico, so I think that X is a sh, a sh Yeah, sh it should be a sh sound. Okay. Yeah, Chicxulub asteroid. So here you go, Nat. This was d two billion years ago. Oh, thank oh, wait, no, God! Sorry. Give me some this distance. One, this one was not two billion. Fuck. Years ago. <laughs> this one was yesterday. <laughs> tomorrow. No, guys, we've gotten so good at at sharing history that now we can share the future. Oh, so like 66 million years ago. Yeah, so I said 2 billion before 66 million. Totally fine. So the Chicxulub asteroid hit in Chicxulub. Y'all call in and tell me how I'm saying that wrong. Because I know we I We are don't. not linguists. No, but we should strive to be better. Um, it hit in the Yucatan Peninsula. So it's in Mexico. So it says here, although not the largest impact the Earth has ever seen, that went to Vredefort Crater in South Africa. That one was two billion years ago. Got it. This one was probably more devastating. It was a six-mile-wide object. It collided with Earth. Um, the resulting collision is estimated to have released the equivalent of 191,793 gigatons of tnt i do not know how much a gigaton is i but don't it sounds know. big i also like that like we're measuring it by tnt yeah exactly which i'm sorry anytime anyone says tnt i just think of wiley Coyote. i was yep mm -hmm. <laughs> uh for our fans abroad <laughs> six miles across is 9.65 kilometers Thank you for that, Natalie. You're welcome. I love how I do that because I know, but I know for a fact that like less Americans understand the fucking kilometer than like they, in the UK, they use miles too. They use yeah. miles for certain things. So it's not, yeah. but you know, it's important to me. Um, I think if anything, it's pointing to our American audience that we dumb. Yeah. No, that's not it at all, but that's. But we are dumb. But we are dumb. Um, so that whole big hundreds, thousands, gigatons of TNT, mm -hmm. that's over 12 billion times the power of a nuclear bomb drop, the, specifically the one in Hiroshima in 1945. <sighs> 12 billion A-bombs. Uh, and this is what is thought to be... That sounds like a, like a world ending event so this is what they think caused the extinction of dinosaurs so you're right okay yeah there's because yeah. it sounds like an <laughs> extinction extinction level event yes uh the next sentence says if an event of this magnitude were to happen today you'd be having a bad time <laughs> <laughs> no shit so so it's i'm just gonna read this whole paragraph because it's great You'd be having a bad time. Given that you're out of the immediate 600 miles of the impact zone where you would be immediately incinerated, all you'd have to worry about now is the air blast powerful enough to level, well, everything. 
tremendous earthquakes, raining molten rock, global wildfires, and subsequent volcanic eruptions for the next few thousand years. No. So, remember how we felt better because it was really, really long ago? I don't feel better now. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Natalie, would you say it with me? Damn. Damn, nature. nature. You scary. You scary. <laughs> and this one takes the cake. If only. I don't want the cake. cake. Number one on the list is called, is called The Great Dying. <laughs> you know what? A plus branding. You know what? A I'm plus not, branding. I'm not even going to read it. You just think about it yourself. That's the scary part. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you come up with, uh, it's that. <laughs> But worse. <laughs> um, so this was 252 million years ago. The Permian-Triassic extinction. It was the largest extinction event on Earth. It was a butterfly effect. So this is what triggered massive volcanic eruptions in the Serbian traps in Russia. The It says the explosion itself while massive was not to blame for wiping out 95% of all marine life and 70% of all land animals, that was caused by what is known as runaway greenhouse effect. So due to the impact, again, this butterfly effect caused everything to get fucked. The Great Dying. Mm -hmm. Title of my sex tape. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about in like season one or two, to die in literary terms, means to orgasm, yeah. so. Le petit mort, the little death, it so why not the great dying? <laughs> when I go, I go for it. The great dying. When she goes, she comes. Yep, <laughs> when she comes, she goes. That one's better. Um, so during this uh, giant volcanic eruption, extensive global warming, uh, temperatures rose on average five degrees Celsius, which, like, it's not good anytime you change one degree. Yeah. Also, Celsius is a lot more than Fahrenheit. Yeah, five degrees. Um, five degrees. If it were five degrees Celsius outside, it would be forty-one degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the. Fun. That's, that's what our jump. <laughs> So, Natalie, do you remember when we were talking about the limnic eruption of Lake Nyos where they got misted? Yeah, I remember death? that sounded so that sounds so quaint now in comparison. So quaint, yes. So after this eruption, the sea uh, started to absorb large quantities of CO2 from the atmosphere and turned it into carbonic acid. Ugh. And so that's what killed most of the marine life. Uh, the warmer ocean temperature, uh, because of that methane hydrate, which we all know what that is, rapidly bubbled from the ocean surface, thus raising the global temperature a further five degrees. So no. listen to this. All life currently on Earth derives from the surviving 4% of species following that event. The the four percent that w didn't get like just straight up boiled on land or in sea. Mm -hmm. So we are cockroaches. Oh, we're all Twinkies. 
Um, so Natalie, for one final time, uh, let's all say yep. it together. Listeners, if you're at home, say it out loud. Shriek it, scream it if you can. Damn, Damn nature. You, you scary. scary. I think we've learned a lot today. I think we've learned that the um, number one threats, the top threats uh, facing us as a species and just, you know, as a culture are systemic racism mm-hmm. and nature. Yeah. And um, I... If we can get those two things figured out, fuck. Oh, my God. Could honestly, you like, those are the two things we should be focusing on all the time anyway. Those are the so it's only like... only two things those are... I really care about right now. I do not feel good. <laughs> Hey, remember when this was supposed to be like fun, sp- like scary, and then it just sad. Remember like silly ghost stories? And <laughs> uh, I thought yeah. that I felt bad for my murder story. The body count on yours is much higher. Oh, <laughs> uh, when Natalie had like three topics and she couldn't decide between. Because every single season that we've done Scared History, I've had two prepared because I can't decide. And then it only occurred to me today that that means that for this week, I had a backlog of potential Scared History stories. So so we still didn't tell each other our stories, but she was like, none of mine are whimsical. They're dark and grisly. I was like, oh, my, mine will be whimsical. I disagree. I don't know why I thought that was going to be whimsical. You lied to me, and I will I never trust you again. I think because it was in list form, and it was brief, but no, that's that's not as bad, but close to World War II Pet Massacre, and I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I, I don't feel good. I have wreaked more devastation than the great dying. <laughs> yeah. You know what? More you deserve another grisly fire for this one. <laughs> God. And nothing it. makes Cass more upset than when <laughs> I bring her the story of a fire. Oh, fire and water scare the shit out of me. Are you can't you... breathe. You can't breathe. Yeah. It's... I don't you can't breathe. I don't like it. I Mm-mm. don't like it. I feel weird doing a discovery. But I did discover something quite monumental this week. Oh, please tell me. Um, at time of recording, mere days ago, I discovered my new nephew, Owen. I oh, my gosh. He was born on Monday. It's September right now. Uh, and I met him. And so my discovery is him as a human being, a little bread loaf. And it's it's so great that you discovered him. And yeah, not, nobody would have known Kathleen. he was there if I hadn't <laughs> if I hadn't shown up. I hope she got you a nice card. I hope so too. I'm still waiting for it. And you know what? It's um, okay because because my sister is a big fan of like true crime and murder podcasts. So I feel like she won't be upset that I told the story of a devastating murder. Um, yeah, and then discovered her son (laughs) it's weird when they're people we need we need some levity we need some happy yeah from death comes birth the great circle the great birthing the great birthing balance perfectly as thanos would say perfectly balanced 
I just snapped into the mic, listeners, in case you didn't hear that. Uh, my discovery is a weird one. Have you ever heard the phrase, jack of all trade, master of none? Yes, I have. And that is often kind of used derogatorily. Yes, it is. Do you know the entire phrase? I do, but only because of TikTok. Same. It is jack of all trade, master of none, better to be than a master of one, which means we should broaden our horizons and we should do many different diverse things, which is why I recently <laughs> discovered whittling. Oh my God. Cass, can we run away to a cabin together and I'll just sit in the corner and crochet and do needlepoint and you'll whittle? It's literally all I want. I just got back from a two-week road trip recently where we went to Salt Lake City and Portland and Colorado and we only like camp camped one night, but I went fishing and I whittled a spoon and I, I want to get into bushwhacking, which... Uh, though I'm a lesbian, is not what you think. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like extreme camping. Cass, so, yes, you so and I, I, you and I, are going to be the cutest little, little like prairie couple that has ever that has ever been. We're gonna, you know what? I'm gonna darn going some to socks. We're gonna be the first documented case of two old women who are actually roommates yeah we're actually going to be roommates <laughs> no like for real we're not dating we're actually we, we are we are roommates <laughs> we are roommates there's only one bed because we sleep in shifts <laughs> and also because it's cold and i'm working on whittling another bed but it takes a it long takes time. a long time and i'm working on making a blanket for the other bed and someone's got to stoke the fire yeah. so come on guys get your head out of there this is the this is my new fantasy is that i'm going to run away with Cass back in time to a time where we had even fewer rights as women and <laughs> And I and we're gonna we're gonna be uh we're gonna be a couple of little pioneer roommates. Here's my thing. Like, no one could find us if we go back in time. And like we, yes, we have no rights and anything, but like no one has GPS, no one has cell phones, yeah. no one would find us. There is no grid to be off of. Yeah. And we everywhere is off grid. We have so we have a bounty of mm. talents. Yes. And complementary talents and abilities. Well, so far I only know how to make a spoon, and it's not great. But I I'll can eat learn. anything with a spoon. <laughs> um, listeners, man, do we have any fans that do fan art? I would love if someone made a little drew us as a couple meat, of like little settlers. house on the prairies yes. settlers. Yes, yes. Give me back yeah. my long braids and slap <laughs> a bonnet on me. You know what? I feel like we really turned this episode around, Natalie. I think we did too. We <laughs> you, it was it was scary, but we found the light. Um, it was the real the real light was the friends we made in the prairie <laughs> along the way. <laughs> we almost didn't find it. We almost um, didn't find it because of the great dying. <laughs> do you know how people can, can send us fan art? Can find us. They can find us because we're not off the grid because it's mm -hmm. 2022. You can find us at SharedPod on Instagram and Twitter. And do you know where they can send questions, corrections, suggestions, and fan art to us? Yes, 
they can send that to sharedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Also, not everyone can find us. And do you know what makes it a lot easier for people to find us? If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people. I personally don't listen to podcasts that don't have at least a certain amount of reviews. <laughs> so uh, don't make me a hypocrite. Go... <laughs> Go rate and review. Anything over four stars is acceptable. We've also got new merch on our website. I'm particularly excited about the BCECE girl because mm -hmm. I'm a BCECE girl. And you can be too. Just go scoop, scoop some merch. You can find that at sharedhistorypodcast.com. That's our website. You can find all of uh, all of our sources and whatnot. Although it sounds like both of us for today's stories each had like a source. So it'll be a yeah. rather short list. But yes. all of our sources for past episodes, where we're still working on getting uh, episodes transcribed. Turns out if you're constantly creating more content, uh, it it just becomes a Sisyphean task. So bear with us. Uh, I'm also working on getting our episodes up on YouTube so at least we can lean on their uh, auto-transcribing, like their auto-subtitles, not that they're 100% reliable, especially when you speak at the speed and with, uh, and when you pronounce every W as a WH, as Cass and I do. But <laughs> you can find, if you look for Shared History on YouTube, you can find a couple of episodes. And more importantly, you can find a whole uh, playlist of things that we reference in our episodes, whether they are sources or silly little extra things or the trailer to the 2021 Candyman, so that you can try and spot when brian dies you can find those online natalie can't because i refuse <laughs> she won't to let herself I do it can't handle it again i've already went through it once being an actor is weird <laughs> um Thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to give you a yet another Scared History episode. As much as they bum us out, they also bring us immense joy. Until next time. Scare, Scare you later. You later.